Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Believe in the Jaguars podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And as always, I am joined by the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire of USA Today, James Johnson. And Jay, we have a really, really exciting episode for everybody today. We're going to talk NFL draft, but we have a very good friend of ours who has just been he's really kind of been with us since like the beginning, Jay, right? In our sports crime daily days when we were all just, you know, baby journalists trying to get up, <laughs> trying to move up in this game. And uh, he's a dra- Jaguars Wire contributor, and he is also bringing college football, coaching college football experience over the last five years. Our buddy Nick Trist and, and Jay, before you get going, uh, I want to give Nick an opportunity to introduce himself and, and also thank him for, for joining us. So, Nick, first off, how is how are you and how's the family? How's quarantine going? Is everybody safe? But also, uh, you know, how, uh, how just how are you doing overall? <laughs> yeah, you know, luckily we're out here in the sticks in the woods and in South Georgia or Middle Georgia, so uh, it hadn't impacted our area too 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 much. So luckily we've been you know caught a break as far as that's concerned. Um, so the family's doing well, man. Uh, just like everybody, we're getting a little stir crazy, about tired of looking at each other, but uh, I think we're doing a good job of managing and maintaining. Um, how about you guys with that? Everything going well, quarantine wise, family good. All, all that yeah man i can't complain glad to have nick back um and to answer your question man family's doing good uh, although albany is dealing with uh, a lot of cases in terms of the coronavirus uh, we're staying safe here um and praying for the rest of albany praying for the rest of georgia praying for the rest of the nation and world uh for that matter and um yeah man in time you know we'll get back to sports and, and this will all pass hopefully and uh, yeah, man, so glad to be back on the show, man. Have Nick on. Like, I've been wanting to have Nick on. He's been kind of busy. So this presented the opportunity for him to be on and glad to have him back because like you said, Phil, man, he pretty much, uh, he helped us build this thing, to be honest with you. And uh, I'm going to say it right now, I owe y'all a lot because y'all helped me ultimately get where I am. So glad that we can all uh, converse one more time at least and, and, and talk some NFL draft, which is one of our favorite topics. Well, Nick, you heard it here first. We are attributed to all of Jay's success. You <laughs> down the line uh, when he is, uh, you know, on the big networks that it was us all along. <laughs> but yeah, same thing as Jay said, you know, just uh, uh, trying to, you know, stay sane here in the house and, and get work done. And uh, what better way to do that than to talk about the NFL draft? So uh, we're going to get into it here in just a moment, guys. Before we do, um, as I always say every show, you know, if you guys enjoy the show, one of the best things you can do to support us is going to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review. And also reach out to us, and we'll give you some details about our Patreon here a little bit later. Um, we're also pretty much anywhere you listen to your podcast, guys. Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and tune in. And, of course, you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. So let's get right into it here, gentlemen. Uh, of course, the Jaguars have two picks in the first round and then another pick here in the second round. We're going to specifically target the first and the second round here uh, here with this week's episode. Um, so before we get into Jag-specific stuff, I know, Nick, you wanted to kind of talk about, 
you know, the kind of like what the crazy situation would be is if Jacksonville would be in a position to maybe take a quarterback, even though they seem to be all in on Gardner Minshew. Now, the CBS mock draft came out earlier this week, or I think it was last week, maybe had them taking Utah State quarterback Jordan Love. I think Jay and I aren't too crazy about that, so I'm interested to see how you feel. So, so let's start at the most important position as far as quarterback. Who do you think they might be in play for, you know, outside of like a outside, of course, like a Joe Burrow? Uh, you know, I mean, it's going to be obviously hard. Burrow's pretty much locked into one, so you can take him off the board. And, you know, just all things considered, I, I do have him as my top-ranked player on the list. Uh, if I had the first overall pick, I would take take Burrow as well. Um, and I don't think it's a big drop-off between him and Tua at all. Um, I know there's injury concerns with Tua. And, you know, there could be, like we were discussing, you know, before before we started recording, uh, there could be some kind of crazy scenario with maybe Tua's injury history presents him to slide. Maybe a shocker happens and somebody takes uh, Justin Herbert before him, uh, before Tua, and maybe he slides down there. Um, but all things considered, you know, no trades uh, if we don't forecast any of that. Um, I think the guys that I would be interested in drafting if I was Jacksonville will be long gone. I don't think those first two guys, Tua and Burrow, I don't think they slide past three um, before both of them are gone. And the other guys, like I said, I think they're just too big of a, a risk and development. I haven't st- studied Jordan Love. Uh, his film much uh, I'm pretty familiar with Herbert I've watched a lot of his tape um, I think he at times he he looks like a like a like a first round prospect a guy you'd maybe take take a look at it drafting around nine um, but at times he played like uh, a guy who, who who's going to need a little polishing and not a guy who's going to help you instantly um, so if I was Jacksonville I, at nine this year I would definitely take uh, the best player available and I don't think that'll lead them to pay, taking quarterback so I would say most likely they're out of the market for a quarterback as we head into the draft, unless something changes drastically. So, Jay, what did you think about that mock draft that came out from CBS where it slotted Jordan Love to us? Because I've seen him kind of a little bit all over the place as recently as a couple of weeks ago, he was slotted to Indianapolis, you know, a division rival. So what were your thoughts when you saw Jordan Love slotted to us here? Yeah, I thought that was uh, too high for him. For one, uh, I thought that it's uh, unlikely because of Minshew, as we've kind of discussed. Uh, but in, in the past, man, you have gone on record for saying this, or I have at least in discussing this. The X factor here, the unknown here, kind of, if you will, is again, like, we don't know this. For me, at least, this is something that's been a question in the back of my mind. We don't know how much Trent Baalke will impact draft decisions, you know, and if that's the case, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean the Jaguars will go quarterback in, in all probability. They will not do that. But, you know, Trent Baalke, if you're looking at Jordan Love and like some similarities, he has similarities to Colin Kaepernick. Me, you kind of talked about that and kind of like Jalen Hurts has some similarities there, too. We all know that Baalke drafted Kaepernick in the second round many, many years ago. You know, you have to wonder, like, has this conversation been had, you know, in terms of maybe taking a quarterback and maybe not being sold on Gardner Minshew as me, you, and Nick talked about beforehand, uh, if you're going to be discreet about moving up, this is the year to do it because of, uh, unfortunately, because COVID has limited us in terms of uh, what the draft will be on draft day. is going to be a whole different process. It's limited us in terms of uh, visits. It's limited us in terms of, um, you know, just that personal interaction you get and, and people get to witness with the prospects. So the Jaguars could be low-key and discreet about this thing and maybe even trade up if they wanted to uh, for a quarterback. If that was in mind, I doubt they do that. If they do trade up, um, I, I'm I'm kind of with Nick on this. Like it would probably be for one of those elite defensive stars 
Okuda, Simmons, uh, one of those guys. Or maybe if they don't feel like they can get Brown at nine and they want to secure him, maybe him. Uh, but in terms of, like you said, with the with the Jordan Love thing, uh, yeah, don't see that happening. Uh, I, I don't even see that happening if they, you know, he was available at the number 20 pick. So for me, Jordan Love is a guy I feel like, I mean, from the limited film I have seen on him, I'm not going to say I've seen a lot of film on him. But and especially when you look at his statistics, one one minute he's throwing 60 percent and then the next he's throwing 70 percent. Then he's back to 58 percent or something like that. So that that's a concern for me because we've seen the Blaine Gabbard and Blake Bortles era. And to me, like at his best, he feels around a top 15 to 25 pick at his best. So I think that will be more likely. But even for the Jags at 20, I don't think they would go that route. So. That's my opinion on him. Yeah. So moving on from, you know, hypotheticals and and something that I don't think any of us see really happening. What what would be the right move? And, and I'll go to you first, Nick, here as far as what Jacksonville should do at nine. We talked about this a little bit before we started recording. So, you know, who do you think should be the guy? We'll start with the with the ninth pick here uh, for the Jaguars. Well, when you talk about an ideal scenario for him, I think quarterback uh, madness ahead of them would actually help. Uh, I mean, if there are a run on quarterbacks, let's say Herbert and Love go before the ninth pick, I think that definitely helps them because that means one of the guys, uh, you know, possibly on the defensive side of the ball will slide, um, helping their case to take the best overall guy. You know, I think when I looked, when I was preparing for this, the, the big thing that jumped out to me that I think they've got to address this offseason and it's got to start with their first pick is they were 28th in the league last year against the run, um, especially in the division like you guys play in. Um, the, with the Jags playing in the in the AFC South, uh, you know, especially with the Titans, even uh, even even Indianapolis will run the ball. They have a great offensive line, so you got to be able to to get off the field, um, and to take care of you know the middle of your defense. So that's where I really expect him to lean. And as far as that's concerned, to me, there's one prospect that really jumps out is the elite guy as far as interior defensive linemen are concerned this year. And I think that's Derek Brown out of Auburn. Um, you know, I have him ranked as my eighth overall player in this draft, and he's a couple slots ahead of my next highest rated uh, defensive tackle. A guy, you know, Jags fans have probably seen rumor to him a lot and a lot of speculation they could be interested in is Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina. Um, and just in my personal evaluation, I think Brown is a couple of tiers ahead of where where Kinlaw is right now. Um, I think he, he's an athletic freak. I think he has, you know, all pro type t- potential. So I think to be able to get him at nine, especially, like I say, it might take a little bit of luck. Might, the board might have to shake out your way. But, you know, like uh, the, the biggest thing I would stress is I think they're in a situation where they're not, their hand isn't forced to where they have to be moving up to take a quarterback. So if they sit at stamp at have nine and 20, they could really leave with two impact players. Um, and I think you can't miss at nine a chance to get one of those guys, like I said, and what I've kind of classified as my elite group, guys who I think won't be bust no matter where they get drafted. So I, I would really try to target one of those guys. So let me ask you this, Nick. So what is it? Because as you mentioned, Kinlaw is a guy that we've seen slotted to us a lot. What is it that you specifically see that puts Brown a couple tiers ahead of Kinlaw? Uh, the, you know, the knock on Kinlaw is, you know, it, it's a, a lot of prospects have this, but it's that they play down to the level of his competition kind of disappear uh, when they would play lesser opponents. Uh, some people, you know, value that differently. To me, that's a big a big negative. Um, it's just kind of something I, I would avoid. So I think that one being his main criticism right there separates him for me. Um, and I think Derek Brown just it more consistently showed up against quality opponents and made bigger plays, uh, you know, in the biggest moments 
uh, week in, week out, showed a lot more consistency. They're both explosive athletes. They're both helping us to run. And I think uh, Brown has a little more uh, pass rush. Uh, I think his pass rush game's a little more polished and developed at this point than Ken Laws is as well. So moving on to you, Jay. So as far as, uh, as the ninth pick here, you, you, have, you and I have kind of dabbled in this a little bit over the last couple of weeks, but this is really kind of our first opportunity. I think we know who we want, uh, but, but realistically, who do you think will be there and who, who should the pick be? Yeah, I'll first start by saying I agree with Nick about Brown, and that's absolutely what the Jazz need at nine. And to answer your question, Phil, that you just asked Nick, uh, I think, like he said, Brown has had more quality games against quality opponents. He showed up better against quality opponents. That's not to say Ken Law is a slouch or anything like that. And I think with Brown, me and you kind of talked about this earlier via text. I think for Brown in there, if they're going to run – a similar scheme to what they ran last year. Uh, you know, he's a guy, and they don't really mention this in, in their interviews with these players, or it's not a big deal to them. It doesn't sound like it, at least, and the players have come out to say this, but I think Brown could be a nose tackle for them, or Brown could be a three technique for them, too. I don't know how much that'll matter, but, you know, the, that kind of versatility uh, may be why they would rank Brown over Kinlaw. I think Kinlaw might be more for them more of a three technique and doesn't offer much as a nose tackle like Brown would. So that might be a reason they might take one over the other, in my opinion. Um, and in terms of, yeah, like Nick said, they were in the back of the league, bottom fourth of the league in terms of stopping the run. We all know that um, that was because they lost Marcel Darius, who is, we all know that's their best run defender. And, you know, Calais Campbell was getting up there in age and on the field way, more than he should have been. That wasn't helping. Uh, but when they lost Darius, they lost their anchor against the run, essentially. Um, and we don't know if he's coming back. They might get him back on a one-year deal, but it's, you know, it's looking like they may not. And then some other team may pick him up. So they need that guy that can eat double teams and, and be a space eater. And that's what Brown would be. He would bring that back to him. And if we, basically, if Caldwell took Brown, this, and this is why I think they will, is because like Nick said, they need to get better against the run. And and we've seen Dave Caldwell take this approach before. When he first got into the league, his first free agency class, if anybody can recall, the first thing he did or one of the first things he did was he went and he got Roy Miller, you know, a nose tackle to anchor the middle. Uh, he got him in free agency. The second thing he did after that was get Sendera Marks to pair with him as a three technique. This is something similar to that you know and, and who knows maybe they get brown and maybe trade up for ken law too and pair them together in the middle because you know they they could use that right now they could use both of them if we're being honest about it so i, I think like being that looking at dave caldwell's past and and how much they love sec players too that's another big thing and uh ken law is an sec player too so they don't really matter in that case but i could definitely see them getting brown and i think the chaos uh, will ensue in the first round to allow them to do that. I think teams are going to trade up for, uh, you know, I think it's going to get crazy up there. I think somebody's going to trade up and get rugs because you keep hearing people saying rugs is a top 10 pick or will be selected in the top 10. Uh, you keep hearing about people might want to trade up for Jordan Love. Maybe, I don't know, uh, off the top of my head, Oakland gets crazy and want to do that, um, which, I, again, I don't think he is a top 10 pick, but things will happen in that first uh, those first five picks and number up to number eight in terms of craziness, things are probably going to happen. And when they do, uh, the Jaguars are probably going to reap the benefits of getting 
a very good elite defensive player at best. Yeah, you look no further than last year with Josh Allen there. You know, they're reaping the benefits of all that madness. And before we get on to the 20 pick here, guys, I do want to address an article that came out from Matt Miller of Bleacher Report here today where, and, and Jay, you just mentioned them, the Oakland Raiders and as well as the Jaguars, were two teams that he pointed out that might cause just some really re- uh, real chaos here, you know, early on in the draft. Should that happen? And Jay, you and I have been talking about this. We feel like Dave Caldwell is building up for something. He's getting all these picks. He's acquiring all this capital for some kind of move. We just don't know what it is yet. And Dave Caldwell has been pretty good at, you know, moving in silence. So, Nick, who would, who do you think that guy should be if they're loading up all this capital to make a move to get one of the top five guys? Well, to me, you know, if you're talking about storing capital and making moves, especially like, uh, you know, improving your draft stock night of trying to go up and get a guy nine times out of 10 people do that for quarterbacks. Um, you know, we've kind of discussed those guys at length, you know, and, I, and just to be honest, I, I think it's going to go chalk. I don't think they'll have a chance to be in play for those quarterbacks. Um, if you had to, you know, gun to my head, I had to make a choice, you know, I had to put something on paper that I think was going to happen. I think it ends up being one and two Burrow goes one, obviously Cincinnati. Two goes two. I think Washington ends up taking him um, and moves on from Haskins. Um, so I think those guys will be gone. The other two players on my board who I would definitely move up from uh, if I could, if I have the opportunity and the right deal presented itself, are two guys in the secondary, which doesn't really you know do too much against the run, which is a lot of what I've talked about. But I think there are such high end prospects that I would go based on best overall. Um, and make a move for him, and that's Okuda, the cornerback from Ohio State, who might be the highest, you know, r- personal ranking that I've had for a cornerback since I've evaluated draft prospects. Um, you know, I think he was a little better than Jalen Ramsey when he was coming out. I know that's a name that's you know uh, falls on sore ears around here when I mention that guy, um, but he's just in that class. Um, and I think Simmons is one of the most versatile uh, defensive prospects we've ever seen. Um, you know, if you look down at his season uh, breakdown of uh, where he played, he lined up at inside linebacker, weak side linebacker, strong side linebacker, played at safety, played at nickel. Um, he can just do a lot of things. Most guys, they don't build guys like him. Um, and he obviously made himself a lot of money uh, at the NFL combine this year. So I think he's a guy that if you wanted to get, you'd have to move up for too. Um, and either one of those guys I think would be home runs for Jacksonville. So again, Jay, same question. Who do you think if the Jaguars are, are in this to mess things up for everybody else, who's that guy? Yeah, I agree with Nick again, not to beat a drum here, but uh, I guess great minds do think alike. Uh, of the two, between Okuda and Simmons, if I had to guess, it would probably be more so Okuda than Simmons. Uh, with the way they've moved in free agency, I will say this, if they get Simmons, they probably almost have to put him at safety. I mean, they'll probably let him free roam and play multiple positions, but his primary position would probably have to be safety. Uh, if if we're being honest about it, because they could they could afford some upgrades there. Um, we all know they're not going to move DJ Hayden probably from nickel. I mean, and he is. I mean, they don't have a lot, but one thing we can't say is they have one of the best nickel corners in football. Um, I guess you know it doesn't help that the pass rush might decline though. So I digress from my point though. Yeah, Simmons. If they got Simmons, it would probably be to play safety more so than anything. I can see him replacing Wilson or Harrison for that matter, but uh, more so Wilson and pairing him with Harrison in terms of, you know, guys that they should trade up for. I mean, and I mean, to answer your question also, I'll say this. I w- wouldn't mind trading up for one of those quarterbacks. We know Burrow's not going to be there, but if two of, 
you know, somehow miraculously fall, you could understand why Dave Caldwell would trade up to get him. Now, they still had to put more pieces around him. But me and you discussed this, Phil. The team right now, all of the moves they made this offseason, we know the defense is going to decline. And it's the worst unit of the two. The offense is the one that's suited more so to carry the team. So maybe, you know, you can insert two in there and maybe uh, they carry the team. But again, the offense carries the team, that is. But again, like I said, I don't see this team taking a quarterback, uh, but it wouldn't shock me again. Like they could do it discreetly this year, if any year, and, and they could shock the world if they, if they wanted to. But I don't think they will. But that would make sense of Dave Caldwell if he did it. Yeah, I, I definitely am on board with if it were to be Okuda or or Simmons. Honestly, I would be happy with either one. I don't know how I feel about it being Tua. I, I mean, f- for all intents and purposes, it does seem like they're uh, all in a minshew, whether or not we feel like that's the right move or not. But we'll see. But I, like like we've said here before, Jay, over the last few weeks, it does seem like he is gearing up for something. And then, you know, it, this all kind of all started earlier in the year, of course, when we acquired that, the, that pick, those picks from the Los Angeles Rams. And we ended up at 20 with that pick. And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of names that have been tossed out there. Um, uh, of course, a uh, receiver. This is a probably going to be known as, you know, probably one of the deepest drafts at wide receiver in a very long time. So Jay, I'll let you take this one first. So at 20, you know, I think there's going to be somebody really good there that maybe we don't expect. Who would you like them to snag at 20 that would possibly be there? I think Kenneth Murray, we've talked about a lot, but that's probably off the table now, maybe uh, after we've added Schobert uh, here in free agency. But after the moves they've made, who do you now think they should target at 20? Yeah, the issue I keep having after the free agency moves is they're kind of in no man's land. They're depending on who's there. For me, it's been hoping that uh, Christian Fulton is there. Uh, You can totally understand that pick at 20 in terms of the cornerback position. We all heard the news about uh, the young man backing out. Uh, his name is escaping me right now that they signed from the Bengals. Denard. Uh, yeah, Denard backing out. So that didn't fall through. So they aren't as good as they thought they were going to be going into the draft at the cornerback position, though they got Rashawn Melvin. Uh, you know, he's 30 years old and he's got that does have a lot of starts. You know, if I can recall, it's upwards of 40 starts. So he's in terms of seeing things on the field he's pretty much seen all you could see uh but you look at this cast of corners in terms of what the Jags have uh Trey Herndon got a lot of play time and and can develop into a very good cornerback but they need somebody to pair with him in terms of being a starter or somebody on the boundary as well as we already said DJ Hayden has the nickel locked down and uh it has one more year in his contract for that matter so He's the guy that I'm hoping falls, but it's some teams in front of them that probably might snag Fulton. Uh, the one that really comes to mind is the Falcons. After their situation, um, they just cut a cornerback, so I can see them going there. Um, and and aside from cornerback, you know, you can hope that Justin Jefferson is there. I would feel okay with – well, I would feel very good with that pick at 20. Um, I think he will be there. That's a guy that could be there. Um, in a lot of the simulations, he hasn't been there, but I think he could be there, and I'm okay with that pick uh, because we all know they like big receivers, uh, a la Allen Robinson, if you will, or receivers that have that long wingspan that can jump out of the roof. Those are their type of guys. And, again, the SEC ties, they love SEC players, as do a lot of teams. So those are the two that I'm targeting there. Me personally, not the highest on C.J. Henderson, 
I know earlier in the year, people were mocking Trayvon Diggs to that spot as well. Not the highest on him. Diggs feels more so to me like a 30-ish pick, round two pick, early round two pick. And in terms of Henderson, it's some things in his man technique that kind of um, concern me personally. But I can understand them going there. But Henderson will be long gone anyway. So I don't think we have to worry about that either. Uh, so, yeah, for me, those are my target guys. It's Justin Jefferson, Christian Fulton, uh, two LSU Tigers there. So, Nick, who on your end has really flashed as far as, you know, picks from, you know, 15 on that hopefully will be in play for the Jags? Uh, you know, if I had to, to guess on the position that they would maybe try to identify 20 if they were to stay there, I think it's going to be offensive line. I think a guy in that range who who will be available um, and who will be a guy they're very familiar with is uh, Andrew Thomas, uh, who played tackle at Georgia. Some guys think he might project as a guard long term. Um, I think he will, uh, once he you know becomes a professional athlete and has uh, got the best trainers in the world, I think he'll get a little more flexible, a little more mobility, um, and be able to be a tackle long term. I think he struggled a little bit against elite edge rushers, um, which maybe is why he's about the third offensive tackle who will come off the board. But he, he he's probably the best run blocker in the entire class. So that's why I think I could see him as a fit for Jacksonville. Um, you know, they want to get back to what their identity is going to be around the football. Um, and I think a guy he's a guy that you could slot right into what they do um, that could help them right away. So uh, Andrew Thomas is definitely a name I'd keep, a, keep an eye on at 20. Yeah, I wanted to chime in on something real quick uh, with uh, what you just said, uh, Nick. Uh, Andrew Thomas, I would love that pick. I mean, I'm a Georgia Bulldogs fan. I would love that pick. I just, I don't know if he'll be there. That's not to say he won't, but I just, I have a hard time seeing him be there. But if he is there, you sprint to the podium. Well, I guess, yeah, they'll probably have it, the draft kind of digital. one. <laughs> right, it'll be a little weird now, but um, whoever makes the pick, you make that call immediately to the office, wherever the draft is going to be held. And uh, you turn in that card immediately. And, and yeah, I'm with Nick. There were some things in his technique where he did uh, struggle with elite edge rushers and stuff. And, it, yeah, some people have projected him at guard. That's fine. Either way, if you want to put him at left tackle and kick, uh, kick Cam Robinson in the guard, that's fine. Or if you want to put him at guard, that's fine as well. But you could kill two birds and one stone if you put him at uh, offensive tackle. So, yeah, I definitely I like that in terms of uh, Nick's thinking there. And yeah, that's what I pretty much wanted to say. So moving on here, guys, and we will look ahead to the second round. And the Jags, you know, they're a franchise that have had, you know, quite a bit of success in the second round. If you look back at history, you know, of course, Maurice Jones Drew, Rasheen Mathis, and, re, you know, recent names like Miles Jack, um, the jury, uh, DJ Chark, of course. Jury's still out on Jawan Taylor from last year um but again guys you know they pick they pick early and every single year it does seem like there are some guys that are there are carryovers that we thought were going to be in the first round um so again nick here here in the second round you know how much how much uh, opportunity have you had to look at guys that might still be around when the jaguars pick at 42 um yeah you know i think i think they'll stay right around uh the areas that we've kind of already touched on you know i expect them maybe maybe just depending on how those first two picks shake out you could look at maybe corner being an option here um some guys who I who I like in, that have been projected at cornerback uh in that area in that range uh is AJ Terrell from Clemson who had a rough national championship game against LSU but other than that i mean uh he has 14 games of really solid tape had a very good semifinal uh, you know, was a played a big crucial role in an elite defensive unit. 
uh, very highly touted out of out of high, coming out of high school, and has obviously been well coached. So uh, I think Terrell's a guy who can maybe, you know, he, he's a little higher than that. He'd have to slide a little bit from his current projection to be there when they pick him. Uh, it's forty, right? I think pick forty. Uh, and another guy as a receiver position we've talked a lot about is actually uh, Terrell's teammate T Higgins. I think is a guy he might slide. Didn't test all that well at the combine, so he's you know might might slide to some of those guys who did test particularly well at the combine. Um, you know, and I'm a big Clemson guy, obviously, but I've, uh, you know, he's a guy that I, he's not super high on my board as well either. I like Justin Jefferson a little bit more than him. Higgins had a tendency to disappear sometimes in certain moments. So I, I look for consistency. It's really big when I evaluate players, but you know, he is, he fits that mold. Like James was talking about earlier, a big athletic freak wide receiver that Jags have been known to target in the past. So I think he's a guy that kind of fits that mold. And a couple other players, you know, maybe if they don't go tackle with one of those first two picks, I like a guy like Austin Jackson, who's, you know, is only 20 years old. A lot of people think he maybe should have gone back to school for another year, but I think he has a, a ton of uh, athletic upside as an offensive tackle, again, out of Southern Cal. And another corner I liked was uh, Jalon Johnson, Jalon Johnson, a uh, cornerback out of Utah. You know, he started 29 games out there. Uh, they had a really, really solid defensive unit in Utah, and he was a big part of why. Well coached again, just like Terrell played at the highest levels against quality competition and, and held up well, measured pretty well at the combine as well. Uh, I think he's like six foot one, one ninety six, something like that. So pretty big for a corner. Uh, ran pretty well as well. So those are just a couple names. You know, obviously at forty, it's kind of hard to project because you never know how the board is going to shake out. So I just kind of tried to pick some guys at positions of need who I think may be around. So yeah. Um... To well, to go back to that twenty pick real quick, the guys that I hope they're at forty two are guys that the Jaguars will have to trade back from that twenty pick to maybe in that twenty five, twenty eight range. Uh, and that's like guys like Denzel Mims and uh, Jonathan Taylor. And I know a lot of people will say Jonathan Taylor, uh, but what he did at Wisconsin is simply, uh, in terms of his statistic, was simply miraculous. And we don't know the future of Leonard Fournette till this day. We we simply don't know. I, mean, I wouldn't be mad with a J.K. Dobbins type. I think he's a guy at the running back position. I, I love. I think he's so physical. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire is another guy's very physical. I like a lot in this class. Um, so I, I think you might be right. Running back could be somewhere they go. I wouldn't be shocked if they went offensive skill player with one of those first three picks. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, Phil are big Clyde Edwards Hilaire fans, by the way. And uh, we've actually talked about him in the past, roughly two podcasts ago. Wouldn't mind seeing him there. You know, he has shades of Maurice Jones-Drew in him. And, and in terms of Denzel Mims, he is, I mean, when you put on a film of him, it's its beautiful. It's, it's just an amazing thing to watch. He He's like Mr. Fantastic in terms of catching balls. Like, they can be out of place. They can be inaccurate. He's going to go out there and get it to the best of his ability. And and I just love that about him. And he's going to I believe he's going to be a very good receiver uh, with the right coaching and going to the right place. So those are two guys that probably aren't going to be there that the Jaguars might have to trade back from 20 to get. But in terms of at 42, uh, some some names I have on my list, uh, Solomon Kinley, who that might be a little uh, he might be gone by then, too. But Solomon Kinley is a guy that he fits that Mahler mentality. They want a guard. You could put him at right guard, replace A.J. Can, uh, because, look, the bottom line is, although we know Leonard Fournette's future is uncertain, he's going to play for the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2020, probably. If I had to guess, although you can't rule out him being traded either with the way they're moving. But if if I'll say this, if Leonard Fournette is going to be your guy for 2020, 
you might as well build this offensive line as solidly as possible, almost in a Dallas Cowboy-like fashion. And Solomon Kinley fits that mold. And and Doug Marone, by the way, is an offensive line coach in terms of, you know, where he coached before uh, he became where he is now. So that's something to put out there with him. Uh, and you can see why he would like a Solomon Kinley type of person. One that I will, I do think will be there is Lloyd Cushenberry, uh, the center from LSU. And he was solid at the senior bowl. Did some one-on-ones with, um, with Ken Law, held his own against Ken Law. Basically, whoever was the best on the opposing team or the, the best on his team to practice against, he went up against him, held his own, looked real good, can play guard, can play center. If you want to move Brandon Linder to guard, where some people say he was actually a good guard at, that's fine. Move Brandon Linder to guard and replace AJ Can there and put Cushionberry at center or vice versa, put Cushionberry at center or, or, or I'm sorry, at guard and let Linder stay at center. I'm open to that. That would make a very solid interior offensive line, in my opinion. Cam Akers, another name going back to running backs. Uh, I think you have to be a little lucky for him to fall there. But Cam Akers is a guy that I like on film. I could totally understand it. And then all of the Florida State fans would love it, too. Uh, like Nick said, T. Higgins is a guy that didn't test all that well. If I can recall, like there were reports out there that say he ran a 4-6. Don't quote me on this. A 4-6 at his pro day. Uh, and then there were some unofficial figures that said he ran a 4-4. And that's kind of concerning when the reports vary like that. It's like, so which one is the truth? Um, I tend to, on film, it looks like he may be more of a 4-6 guy, and I'm okay with that. And I think, you know, if you could get consistency out of him, he'll be a very good receiver, like Nick said. And I think the X factor for the Jazz taking him is the fact that they have Keenan McCardell, Keenan McCardell, who is like this receiver's wizard. We've seen what he got out of DJ Chark because DJ Chark in 2018 just looked lost, basically. Looked like a completely different player in, in 2019, arguably the most improved player in football, arguably, from if you look at from where he went from year one to year two. And we've seen what he's done, you know, although D.D. Westbrook has kind of been a disappointment at times, you know, he we've seen progress in D.D. Westbrook. We've seen what he can do with Keelan Cole in the past. Um, Chris Conley had his moments as well. Uh, so T. Higgins, I'm, I'm open to that, and I would like that pick. And I think Keenan McCardell could do him some justice pairing those two together. And uh, Jeff Gladney's another one. I haven't seen a lot of film on him, but he's the cornerback from TCU. He's a guy that a lot of people think the Jaguars could use there. Um, and then Noah Ignagabi. <laughs> I screwed that up again, Phil. Uh, but we just go call him Noah. And uh, that's another guy that's tested well athletically in terms of and, and you look at his his background with his family again we talked about that in the past both of his family are olympic sprinters so you know the the speed is there although he ran a four four ish in the in the combine if i'm not mistaken uh but still the athleticism is there he's a guy that's just scratching the surface as a cornerback because he came there initially to auburn as a receiver if i'm not mistaken and you can see uh, it's it's a lot of upside with him when you look at him on film. A guy that held his own too, like he he wasn't perfect, but held his own in that Alabama game. I like him as well. That the Jacksonville Jaguars haven't gotten a corner earlier with number picks nine or twenty. 
So let me ask you guys this now that, you know, we, we, we've covered, of course, the first couple of rounds and we're going to start to wrap up here here very shortly. But let me ask you guys this just to kind of, you know, have a little fun with it. Who would be the person you know we've talked about who we think, you know, the safe picks would be as far as now we'll, we'll talk about just nine specifically. And in, in maybe we kind of address this a little bit with the quarterbacks. But who would it be? Who would it be? What name would you just be absolutely shocked to hear at nine? Uh, mine would be Simmons, I guess. If he would be there at nine, I think it would be an A-plus pick. Um, I could see a scenario shaking out. Like I said, if there's a run on quarterbacks, uh, maybe a receiver to go, um, maybe he slides. Uh, I think it's re- really unlikely. But like I said, I think if if you're looking for a, a guy who I think is a little bit, you know, uh, it's probably unlikely, but I think would be an absolute home run, that, that would be my number one for them. Yeah, I mean, in terms of off-the-radar type of pick for the Jaguars, I mean, they're going to lose Yannick and Gakwe, it would seem. So, like, looking at, like, maybe the, it would still shock me if they took one of these defensive ends in terms of, like, uh, Kaysan is one who I know he's kind of like, the thing I read about him, he's kind of like a one-hit wonder. Like, well, not a one-hit wonder, but he only had one year to kind of prove himself. And he really, from what I've read, wasn't projected to start for LSU this year or last year, should I say. So, you know, I think like that would kind of shock me because another thing is like aside from um from the o- the OSU kid, Chase uh, Young, none of these defensive ends kind of stick out to me from the ones I've seen. I still have to do some research on Espinosa. I haven't seen any film on him from Iowa. And it's one more young man from uh, Penn State that I'm forgetting his name that I got to do some research on but none of these guys are really sticking out for me in terms of being like first round pick so that would throw me for a loop although basically you could say that Yannick Ngakwe is all but gone so if they go defensive in in round one that would kind of shock me I would be surprised by that personally while some people wouldn't but I would be yeah, sorry, I threw a wrench in there for you guys. So I <laughs> just wanted to see how it would go. But but yeah, guys, I mean, that's pretty much what we wanted to discuss here this week with Nick. And again, we're just super appreciative of him coming on and, and lending us his time, uh, you know, especially like and and, you know, we're just doing our best to bring you guys, you know, the best content possible. I know just like us, we've been cooped up here uh, in the, in our homes as well. So, Nick, before we get out of here, you know, is there anything you want to plug or just talk about or uh, plug your socials and you know anything you want to let the believe in jaguars uh, podcast uh, uh group know uh no nah, not really man i mean you guys can save the plugs for yourself i know you guys are still more uh, involved in the media side of things than i am like i said you know we got a little break in the season um obviously now with things being shut down but if anybody has any questions or wants to follow what i'm doing it's at coach trist on twitter t-r-i-s-t and I appreciate you guys letting me come on. I'm, I'm super excited about the NFL draft. We'll finally have some meaningful sports, something that's not just a replay, uh, something that's going to matter and count. You know, Jags fans should be excited. They're well positioned to be big players in this draft. So maybe, you know, it seems like the franchise has been a state, a constant, perpetual state of rebuilding, but uh, maybe this is where they turn the corner. So, uh, you know, just, just have some hope and think we're going to turn around. So, uh, like I said, at least we'll have some sports to get excited about. Well, we have a saying around here, Nick, and that is that the Jaguars are off-season champions. So this is definitely the year. <laughs> this is their time, huh? It's time to shine, right? Definitely <laughs> the time of year where we shine the most. So, Jay, we're going to get out of here shortly. But before we do that, um, you know, if you want to talk to people and let them know how they can uh, best support the podcast outside of just subscribing and leaving reviews. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and Well, I guess first, before I do that, I'll just 
uh, tell people what's coming up. And that's a lot of draft related stuff. Uh, we're going to continue to hammer the draft and uh, look at mocks and possibilities and the top players at the positions of needs until uh, the draft itself gets here. So just be mindful or, or be on the lookout for all of the content that we'll have up on Jaguars Wire um, as it will be mostly draft based. I mean, there's still a few free agents out there. They could, uh, you know, the Jaguars could land, not necessarily starters, but some guys worth noting. So we'll keep an eye on that and, and we'll still dabble in free agency. But uh, I think the main part of free agency, at, at least for the Jaguars, is over. Uh, well, of course, we'll be on Yannick and Gakwe watch as well. Uh, as that situation, um, you know, a lot of people tend to think he might get traded. We'll see how that goes. No source on that. I'm just saying, you know, that's just something we'll be watching. In terms of how to get in tune with us, uh, it's many, many ways you can do that. Uh, like Phil said, aside from doing the iTunes reviews and rating and commenting and subscribing, uh, just go to our link tree. That's linktr.ee. Believe in the Jags. And all of our plugs are there pretty much. Anything you need to know about the Believe in the Jags podcast it'll send you in the right direction. And also, most notably, uh, if you want to support us through Patreon, we have three packages, one for five, one for 10, and one for $15. Feel free to check those out for some off-script content that we could give you all. That's patreon.com slash believe in the Jags. There you have it, guys. And again, just reiterating, you know, stay inside if you can. Practice that social distancing. Wash your hands. Don't buy more toilet paper than you need. Be good to your family. I know it's kind of, you know what, Jay, I was thinking about this the other day. It's kind of like families that, you know, just are cooped up. It's kind of like they're having Thanksgiving like all the time right now. So everybody just be nice to each other and don't tear each other's heads off. Again, thank you guys so much for joining us on the Believe in the Jaguars podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. We believe. Do you? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.